This week on the Habs Forum, the Montreal Canadiens are undefeated in regulation time to start the season after six games. One of the best beginnings of a season in a long time. And for some reason, we have five days between games, which is driving all us Habs fans crazy. But it's starting up again soon, starting up again tomorrow against Calgary. But first, we're going to talk about the three games in Vancouver. The team looking great. But once again, is it the other teams looking bad? We'll go over that. Go over that unfortunate hit, obviously, with uh, Armia. Uh, we're going to preview the Calgary games and actually with some more Vancouver games happening already. I mean, I guess that's the reality of uh, of this uh, this season with the just playing within the the, the division. Aside from that, Tyler Toffoli, first star of the week in the NHL. Been a long time since a. Let alone Montreal Canadiens. Montreal Canadiens forward wins first star of the week. So that is, of course, very exciting. And Dubois finally got traded. And not to Montreal. I mean, we'll talk about that. If the rumors are true of what Columbus is, uh, was wanting, I mean, I think, uh, and considering what they got in return, I think a lot of Habs fans are perfectly fine with that trade not happening. And, of course, Rocket Camp opening up. You know, this podcast, we love talking about the Rocket. Finally, we're going to soon have some actual Rocket games to talk about. But first, Dustin, tell us who is the sponsor of the show. The Habs Forum, still brought to you by Manscaped.com and the new Lawnmower 3.0 and the Weed Whacker. Be sure to uh, check out Manscaped.com. Use promo code HABSFORUM, all in capitals, to get uh, 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Great, uh, great products there. Again, uh, you know, I mean, uh, once, uh, yeah, once start the stuff starts opening up, I mean, uh, it's always good a uh, good idea to stay groomed for your boyfriend or girlfriend or for whoever. And, uh, yeah, so uh, check out Manscaped.com. All right, perfect. So definitely check out Manscaped.com. But now let's talk about Montreal Canadiens. Dustin, three wins in a row. Uh, not three wins in a row. I'm sorry. They lost in, uh, in shootout against. It's weird. That first game against Vancouver, 6-5 loss. In my, it's, I feel like it, it was a win. It was such a weird game. It just penalties all over the place, back and forth. I mean, it was exciting, but at the same time, it was, I don't know, sloppy in a way, too? It was. Yeah, it was, it was sloppy. But, I mean, well, it, it's sort of been, unfortunately, the – the story of the Canadians so far. I mean, really the only bad thing so far about the Canadians, the amount of penalties that they've been taking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you gotta kind of feel, especially in that game, like the refs were just all over the place. Like there was plays that, that should have been called. And I mean, you hate to use this as an excuse, you know, I mean, you know, you hate, you hate to hear, you know, I mean, I hate, I hate saying that, Oh yeah, you know, the refs cost us a game or whatever, but I mean, there were so many penalties, like what the hell? Like it was like every two seconds, it felt like there was a penalty. And, and but the thing is, it was bad for both sides, though. Like, it, it felt like some 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 of the games the Canadians got the worst end, worst end of the stick. Other games, Vancouver got the worst end of the stick. But overall, if you go on Twitter message boards on the on the game threads on Reddit, the fans for both teams could agree that the refing the the referees have been terrible so far. It's like atrocious. It was, but especially in the first game, I thought. Well, I think the the I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think in the first game, Vancouver only did they get one. I think they got one penalty in the whole first game compared to the Canadians. I think we got at least six or seven penalties. Uh, let me, yeah, yeah, you're right. Actually, the Canadians had 12 penalty minutes while the Canucks only had two penalty minutes. So, I mean, 
I, I, I definitely like you couldn't not be frustrated about that as as a half because the thing is is if you look at that game five on five the Canadians absolutely dominated the Vancouver Canucks, right? Like if the, if the game play, it goes through with no penalty minutes uh, or equal penalty minutes, you'd think that the the, the team would do uh, the Canadians would come out with the win. I mean, they would still still get make it to the shootout, so at least get get the one point. I mean, you're gonna get games like like that, but it was freshing with the refs. But it's it, the way I've been feeling about it. It's almost like because we didn't have preseason this year, right? We didn't have preseason games. And when you, if you remember back when we do have preseason games, I mean, at this point, we haven't had preseason games in over a year, but there's always a ton of penalties during preseason. It's like the refs are just getting back into it and they're just calling everything. And it's almost like it's the refs have been calling penalties to start this season as if this is preseason. I mean, every little tiny little slash and like, I'm not like, it's not even that some of the things aren't necessarily penalties, but like just things that are never called usually. And now the tiny little tap on, on, on the, on the shin pads. And then the ref is losing his mind calling a penalty and don't even get me started on the cut and yemi thing. I mean, come on. Like, if, like from what is being said, uh, like from players that were like uh, on the ice, basically all he said to the ref was, "Hey, you missed the penalty." Like, we're obviously never gonna get the full story, but it sounds like he didn't swear at him or anything like that. Like, it, just a ridiculous call by the ref. Yeah, because Holtby even said that that's what he said. I mean, like you know, if he if he's swearing or whatever, you know, like he really says something something bad like you you can especially understand it when it when it's a younger player you know the ref's going to even though maybe it shouldn't be like that but you know the ref's going to sort of try to teach him a lesson i guess but if all he said was hey you missed the penalty or something to that effect like and by the way he did he did, he did. <laughs> i absolutely missed the penalty i mean hold me absolutely tripped him it was it was absolutely ridiculous i mean, I think that was the biggest thing it was more the missed penalties on the canucks than the penalties on on the canadians because Regardless of how we feel about how the refs have been, the Canadians have been undisciplined. I mean, has there, I think there's been one game so far this year where they haven't had a penalty for delay a game for shooting the puck over the, over over the over the glass. I mean, I'm gonna lose my mind if they if we take any more penalties for that. Uh, that's been great. Like how I feel like you don't really see it that often. Like it does happen every once in a while. And first of all, like what a stupid penalty anyway. Yeah, yeah that I shouldn't mean, be a penalty. Sure. Like who's doing like before they before this was a penalty. Who was really throwing the puck over the uh, over the glass to to like get a to get a whistle? It really feels like it was never that much of an issue. I mean, maybe we just don't remember it. But the thing is, is like if it is an issue, you can't have it at the ref's discretion because then that's going to create yeah. like all all sorts of uh, a drama. But it, it's it's just. It's one of those things that's frustrating too, because then so often you'll you'll see it called in situations where the refs have completely put the whistle away, some some slashing and like legitimate penalties, holding things that are stopping scoring chances aren't being called because it's near the end of the game or it's it's in overtime and and we can say we could that's a whole other subject, but in situations like that where those penalties aren't being called, then you get a, a puck over like you see in overtime in the playoffs. You get de- delay game penalties are the only penalties you see because the refs can't not call those, right? Like it's it's, it's it happened or it didn't. Yeah, and I mean, and and I mean, it's it's cost the Canadians. I mean, like you know, even even going back to the first game against Toronto, yep, that was a turning point. You know, one got the puck off uh, off. You know, they they just got a penalty. I think it was Weber threw it over the yeah, edge, threw it over the glass, and uh, basically they had a five on three for two minutes, scored two quick goals, and I mean that that cost basically the Canadians the game right there. It was absolutely the turning point for that game. So I mean, yeah, it's so stupid. Like just because you 
you know, you mess up your, your shot a little bit or you're, you're, you know, trying to clear it out of the zone and, and basically you lose, you know, you lose the game basically because of that. So yeah, yeah it's I mean, definitely frustrating. And the we can hate that penalty all we want. It's the same for both sides, yeah. right? Like at the end of the day, the Canadians just needs to adapt, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. But I mean, yes, it seems like it's been happening like unproportionately to the no, Canadians. Like this, I don't, this season, this, it's absurd. No. It's absurd. Like, but what, what what I find really unfortunate about that cut Kanyemi play to get back to that though is that that was maybe one of his best games as a Montreal Canadian. I mean, one goal, one assist. He's he's looking absolutely fantastic out there. He he even I'm looking at it right now. He had 80% on on the faceoff circle in that game. He's just dominating. Even though he only played 13 minutes uh, for for the whole game, just great stats across the board. But then after the game, all anyone is talking about is that penalty that Kadkanyemi took. And he even right away said he shouldn't do Like, he said the right thing, right? Like, I'm glad he said what he said. I mean, don't kid yourself. The refs are looking at that, and I'm sure it strokes all their egos that that Kadkanyemi, like, admitted fault and all that. So good for Kadkanyemi to do that. You don't want to get on their bad side. I mean, there's no point in doing that. But it's it's just, just, you just hate it when a performance like that gets overshadowed by such a dumb little, it's it's just the refs wanting to make it about them, basically. I just, I hate it. And I mean, Dustin, we play beer league together. You know how I talk to the refs. I mean, <laughs> I would have been way worse than whatever Kachinami said. <laughs> you probably would have got suspended or something after that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know it's it's definitely unfortunate to see. And, and like you said, I mean, Kachinami's been he's been doing really good. Like he has yeah. played really well. Like it it hasn't necessarily showed up all well, the took, time on the took, score sheet. It took a second. Yeah, it took a second to show up. Yeah, like he hasn't been like yeah, he hasn't been the most flashy, but he's just been solid all around. Like in the offensive zone, I mean, his line is uh, the, is the highest point producer right now. Obviously, Toffoli getting scoring five goals in two games has obviously helped. But I mean, man, that that line, I mean, at least well, it definitely in Vancouver was by far the best line. Absolutely, absolutely. And Kukinami has definitely been a big part of that. Kukinami and, and, and Toffoli for sure. I mean, Armia too. I mean, he had a, obviously that the, the four point game before getting injured, but yeah, Kukinami has been great. I mean, I thought he got off to a little a little bit of a slow start in the first game or two, but uh, he he's been great. Definitely. What I've loved about his game too is just he's one he's so he's getting more and more physical seemingly every game. He looks like he's going to turn into an a, a legitimate big center that we we've wanted for years we've talked about wanting for years that can throw the body around and, and and use that to his advantage and he's made a few really really clutch defensive plays too back checking in in, in the defensive zone there's, there's a few to come to mind where he just gets gets to stick on the puck at the last second to stop a chance like those types of small plays that you know first of all Claude Junier is 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 absolutely loving uh because that, that that's the type of game he wants to see from uh from his youngster and Going back to when he first broke into the 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 the, the league a couple years ago, what we always talked about with Kakinyemi is he seems to improve so quickly, and he definitely worked hard. He got stronger, and then first game of this year, atrocious game at the faceoff circle. I think he won what one or two faceoffs, if if that, the whole game, and he's completely turned that around in such a small amount of time. If you just look at the last three games versus the Vancouver Canucks. He was the best center on the faceoff circle. Of course, it's only three games, but still, he averaged 53.6% on the faceoff circle. Only Lekkonen had a better average, but obviously, Lekkonen, not a center, so this it's just from a few faceoffs, so it's not really relevant. But after that, you have Suzuki at 49%, Dano had a bit of a rough stretch at 48%. For, you did not see that 
I, I, there was no stretch at all last year where he did that well in the faceoff circle and just shows how much he's willing to work at improving the parts of the game he needs to improve. And the more I see him play this year, the more happy I am all these like rumors about trading him for, for Dubois didn't happen because I wouldn't be surprised if he's as good as Dubois sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, the way he's looked so far, I mean, he's, he's been great. And we obviously, we saw what he could do last, last year in the playoffs. And like you said, he's been throwing the body around a lot. And, you know, from what we've seen lately, I think that's when he plays the best. Absolutely. He just, you know, he, he, he's just more implicated in the game. He's ready to go. You see, he's all over the place. He plays great in the offensive zone and the defensive zone. And when, when he really applies himself and, and starts throwing around the body, I think that's when he's the most valuable. That's when he, you know, you really see him as a game changer. And, and you know, he, he's, he's really, he's, he's improved, like you said, so much all over the ice. And before we move on to to the to the next game quickly here, the one thing about the end of that game, I mean, the shootout is obviously just a small part of how a team does and all that. But I mean, nothing against Paul Byron or I mean, Dwayne has been great at shootouts at time. But I wish that when it came to the shootout decisions, Julien just like I I feel like you you need to th- send out the guys who have had a good game that day. You know, his choices he makes for the shootout sometimes, I just find mind... I know they do those those kind of drills at the an, end of practice, and they, they have the players that do the best in practice often are the ones that they'll, they'll go out for the games and all that. But it, it's not like we have anyone on the team that's really like a, a, a shootout specialist that should always be out for the shootout. I think they should just put out whoever has the hot hand that day. I, I just... I really didn't like seeing Byron being the first one sent out there for... Like, nothing against Byron. I, I, I love Byron. He's... Hopefully, like he's been better this year, and and, and great. The fourth line has been fantastic, but we have offensive weapons now. I don't want to see him as our first first kind of threat going out there uh, in in the shootout. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I think that that you know we we don't necessarily know what's going on in practice. I mean, I'm sure you know Byron, and I, I'm pretty sure Byron has the 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 best percentage career wise on the team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, I mean, obviously they do, do do those drills that we don't see them, see how good these players are. Cause I mean, you know, you might be a really good scorer, but not necessarily good in the shootout. And, you know, a guy that might not necessarily be a great scorer, well, he ends up pulling a, pulling now, uh, you know, Merrick Malik, uh, from back in the day. Yeah. So you know who, uh, who is the best player in the shootout, but, but especially, I mean, we had Tyler Toffoli that had a hat trick. Yeah, would think, and I mean, like it seemed like everything he touched was going yeah. going in the net. And he, he did end up going, but he went fourth, yeah. so he wasn't on the initial. Which is even oh. though he didn't score, put the hot hand out there, you know. For sure. I mean, in that case, I mean, you should de- a guy that scored a hat trick that's that hot in the game, he, he should definitely be out there. It's a no brainer to me. It should be. But uh, I mean, we saw Nick Suzuki. He pulled off a hell of a move, and uh, oh, that, sure, that that, that that was gorgeous. I mean, Nick, like, I'm excited to talk about Kudkiyemi because, but it's like Nick Suzuki. He started the season with a six game point streak, and it's like I'm not even that excited about it because it's almost like I, I'm expecting it because I'm so used to him being so consistently great. It, it it it's absolutely crazy how quickly he's become. Just he's established himself, and I just see him as a legitimate top line center in the NHL and I don't have to worry about his progression or how he improves. I mean, the faceoff circle, just the same as, as cut is, is somewhere where he could uh, definitely improve. So I'd love to see that. But aside from that, there's really no complaints to this game. 
Yeah, big thing going around Twitter too is uh, Norman, Norman Flynn. Well, I'm assuming you probably saw it. Norman Flynn, uh, who was he was I think it was at the trade deadline, like maybe two seasons ago, where he was saying that we should trade Nick Suzuki for uh, for Wayne Simmons. Ah, Good thing to have them do that. Oh boy! Oh boy! I mean. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone expected Suzuki to be as good. As, we've talked about it before. I mean, that's not even who uh, Bergman wanted in the trade. So even Bergman got lucky, and he would be the first one to tell you, right? Because he wanted uh, Cody Glass, who who's not even. He's. I think he's had injury issues and all that. So it, it, there's always luck involved. But Nick Suzuki's just he's just improved so much in the last few. Imagine, imagine if we got Wayne Simmons for him as a loan. <laughs> And then he'd be doing what he's doing with us somewhere else right now. I mean, I, I think that'd be a fireable offense, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, Nick Suzuki, I mean, what a surprise. I mean, he's he, it's been it's been ridiculous the way that he's progressed. Because, I mean, certainly, like, I I was never I was not the biggest Nick Suzuki fan, if, if I'm being honest. I mean, I didn't I definitely didn't see this. I thought, you know, he could maybe be I thought for sure he would be a winger at the NHL. I didn't mm-hmm. think he had yeah. the had the speed to, to, to be a center and, and was good, good enough defensively. But obviously, I mean, he's, he's surprised everyone. I don't think nobody, I don't think can see, can say that they saw this coming. And so then moving on to the next game, seven to win against the Vancouver. Now, now what I love about this, uh, or seven, three win, sorry. Uh, what I love about this game is that, I, that the loss w- w- would have been a very frustrating one, right? Because like I said, they dominated, uh, the, the five on five play, the, the Canucks had way more power plays, like you said, and that's really where the game was, was kind of decided. And that can be such a frustrating game when you feel like you deserve the win. And then plus you losing the shootout, which I mean, even if you like the shootout, we can all agree it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a crapshoot. But then for them to come out and they, they didn't come out like deflated or anything, they come out and they absolutely dominate the Canucks. And it, it wasn't just on the scoreboard 7-3. I mean, shots on goal 42-17. to 17. It's it's the type of response, and the thing is, is even if 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 we are to say, oh sure, but the Canucks aren't as strong, they had they had plenty of injuries on defense and all that. Okay, maybe, but last year the Canadians did not come out with such strong performances against teams that are supposed to be weaker than them. The the sign of a great team is being able to put away these weaker teams and, and not mess around and just get it done, and that's exactly what they did. And it, it was it was it's just it was amazing to watch, absolutely amazing. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, they dominated the whole game. Um, you know, and I, I mean, it, I think during the first period, you know, it was it was a little closer, but in the second period, I think they outshot them like something ridiculous. I think it was yeah. like the two or something like that. But yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, they definitely, you know, a, a team that they should beat. Like you said, I mean, they lost four times last season to to, to Detroit, not to the Canadians. Exactly, exactly. But you know. But they were definitely better than Detroit last year, but they still managed to lose four times against them, you know? Exactly. Against, like, basically a historically bad team in Detroit. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and especially in a, in a short season like this and all that, every game matters. It was just – it was a great response. It's just so unfortunate how, how it ended. I mean, I, I mean, obviously at this point, everyone's seen it. Armia with maybe the best game of his career. Yeah, well, his first four-point game of his career. And, and that not just that like he got it's not like he just got four points. Sometimes you watch games and players, oh, he he kind of got a few secondary assists and all that. Like you saw him pl- on that the whole line was dominant and 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 Armia was part of the a part of that. I mean, Toffoli still and him and Toffoli, the shorthanded uh, Toffoli scored on the shorthanded goal, but it was, it, it was Armia to pass him the puck and all that. And 
And just to have it end on that boneheaded play by Tyler Myers and then for him to not even get suspended, it was such a frustrating way to end that game. Yeah, you, you hate to see it like that. You know, it, like especially like when it's out of hand like that, right at the end of the game, you know, for, for the other team to, to, to take out a player like that is so unnecessary. You know, I, I mean, some people were arguing that it wasn't to the head, though. I, I mean, I think it was it clearly was. I mean, I know Army or well, Army is tall, but I mean, uh, to, uh, Myers is definitely, you know, I think he's yeah. six, at least six, seven, maybe six, eight. But I mean, even just to hit a guy like that for for no reason at the end of the game, I mean, you know, it's there. there I mean, was... With all the talk of concussions and mm-hmm. and like protecting the players and blah blah blah, but it all, I mean, the the fact that there was no suspension in there just showed that it's all complete bullshit. It's, it's all, all bullshit. It's all talk. They they're only saying it so they can have a nice headline saying, "Oh, we're doing our best to protect the players." It's all nonsense. It's all I don't care if you say it was a dangerous hit that there's nothing that hit was worth except injuring a player. It got injured to the head. That should be an automatic suspension. I can't believe that's the one thing the refs got right because at least they gave him the five uh, right away during the game. Not that it mattered because the game was over at that point, but I, I just I just I just can't believe it. And the part of me thinks that there shouldn't be former NHLers that are in the. That like a guy like George Peros who's who, who makes these decisions because it's too much of a, of like an old boys club and like oh this is this is how the game is played and all that it it almost needs to be a third party that 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 determines these things because clearly there's an issue here and there's so much inconsistency and it's just it's just it's just you're lying if you're saying that you really want to take headshots away and you don't suspend that. It makes no sense. I mean, bright spot was is Tyler Myers is absolutely terrible and he had a horrible game the following game against the Canadians. So I mean, it didn't really hurt us that he wasn't suspended, but still. No, but and especially to have a goon like George Paris. Like I know, like I'm sure he's a really smart guy. Obviously, he went to Princeton, so I'm sure he has. He's got a great education, obviously. But but I mean, you know, it should be you know, if you are gonna have you know, previous NHLers, then at least have like the skill guys or, you know, maybe even a guy that, uh, you know, that's dealt with concussions, like a guy like Mark Savard or something like that, you know, someone that knows the seriousness of, of the head injuries. Um, but yeah, no, obviously, no, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, there's all this talk about, uh, about trying to take hits like that out of the game. And then when it does happen, nothing. It's just, I just, I, I just couldn't believe it. And like I said, it was so deflating on, on a, like on a Saturday night, you're watching this game. I guess that wasn't the Saturday game. That was uh, the, the day after the shootout loss. But it was, it just, it, it just, the game, like I said, it felt so good, a dominant win, a great response. And then for it to end that way, and then who knows when Army is going to come back. Like I know he's already skating, but with concussions, you never know. He, he can come back and, and, and he can realize he's actually not feeling that good and have to, to come out again. Like they could be nagging for a long time and it could really derail a whole season. And if not like a whole career, like we've seen. So it's, it's really unfortunate after such a breakout game, like it's, it's one of the worst things to see. It kind of reminds me of, uh, if you remember back in the day when Zednik, Richard Zednik, a, a bit of a older shout out here when he was having a monster playoff and he got, he got clotheslined by, uh, by Kyle McLaren, which completely took him out of the playoffs. And he, and he actually was never really the same player when he came back. If, if, if you remember, he started doing this this move where he'd just skate around the zone and he'd obviously be, be scared to get hit. These types of plays can really – like I hate to see, especially when the players are in the middle of kind of having a bit of a, of a breakout or a, a career performance that could lead to so much more. 
and then to, for it to end the game that way, I mean, I, I hope he comes back playing as well as he was playing. No, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, hopefully he'll be back soon. Um, you know, it's, yeah, you always hate to see stuff like that, especially to the head. I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Hopefully he'll he'll be all right, and then he'll be good to go when he does come back. And uh, hopefully we'll see him we'll see him back on the ice soon. But but as for a team aspect, though, it, it, seeing Corey Perry slot in on the next day, uh, I mean, I guess two days later, and Corey Perry did a lot better than I expected him to do. I thought he'd be a lot kind of slower and kind of over over the hill as far as an NHL player. He held his own and he looked good. And it just speaks that we talked about it last podcast. This team has so much depth that, I mean, obviously we don't want injuries, but a couple injuries here and there is really not going to affect this team that much. It, it, it really didn't hurt us that much to, to lose Armia. And Perry just stepped in and really had a great game, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they did it really didn't miss a beat. And I mean, you know, even if someone someone else were to get injured, I mean, we got Michael Froelich right there. We got Ryan Paling there on defense. I mean, you got Kale Fleury. So, I mean, and, and Victor, what about Victor Mete? You're gonna ignore yeah, Victor, Victor Mete? <laughs> so much depth, man. I can barely even remember the guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, they have they have a crazy amount of depth, and we've seen it so far. You know, they're they're. I mean, they've they scored a ridiculous amount of goals. They're they're first in the NHL in goals scored, and it's all the lines that are contributing. Yeah. You know, one night it's going to be you know I mean obviously against Vancouver the Kukinemi line was huge. The the game against Toronto, you know Josh Anderson with his two goals, Nick Suzuki with one goal. It was that line that was it was you know tearing it up. I mean every night it's it's been at least one line that's been on fire, and I mean they've. They're averaging like what like, I think five goals a game or very close to five goals a game now. So yeah, I mean, four four point eight three goals per game. And it is interesting to see though. If you look at the goals for for the season so far, I mean not the goals for per game, I guess would be more relevant, but top four is all Canadian teams with the Montreal, Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Toronto. And then at nine you have Edmonton. And it, it just shows you the Canadian division as far as uh the I don't know if it's the offense is so strong or the defense is that weak because, I mean, we talked about it last week where Edmonton just looked terrible, and especially defensively. We, we all know how much of a problem defense is for, for, for Toronto. And then Vancouver, who already had an average at best defense, is just getting a hit with so many injuries. I mean, the defense in this division, the Canadians with the depth they have should be able to score like this for the rest of the season. Like, what team's going to stop them? I mean, Calgary with, uh, I mean, Markstrom's looked, looked pretty good so far. So I don't think there's going to be as much goal scoring in those games. But defense in this division is not strong at all. No, definitely. No. I mean, uh, well, like you said, Toronto, we know. I mean, uh, obviously, Edmonton and Vancouver, they both look pretty bad, uh, at least on defense against the Canadians. We all know how bad Ottawa is. I mean, they just yeah. gave up seven goals against Vancouver the other night. So, uh, yeah, I mean, no, the Canadians are definitely looking pretty good for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so far they've shown that they can score and they have four lines, obviously, that can score. So, I mean, uh, we're going to see a lot of a lot of goals from the Canadians, I'm sure. And, and and speaking of four lines, I mean, someone we haven't talked about yet that I've been so I mean, very, very excited and surprised to see how he's been playing is Jake Evans. I'm loving Jake Evans' his game right now. And as long as he – I mean, I feel like a broken record just talking about face-offs all the time. But I do think it's a key key stat for a team to be successful, and especially a fourth-line center. If he just adds that to his arsenal, being a bit better at the face-off circle, absolutely fantastic fourth-line center. 
perfectly happy with with him as as our fourth line. I'm loving the way he's playing, and he's fantastic on the PK too. He really is. I mean, I, man, I've I've always been a big a big Jake Evans fan, but I mean, the progression that he's made since last year is is just ridiculous. I mean, it's yeah, like you said, it's just really the one thing that is is faceoffs. But I mean, on the PK, he's been amazing, creating turnovers all the time. He's great at forechecking. I mean. He, and I love that that wasn't his part of his game not that long ago, right? He really adapted his game to have a career in the NHL. And I just love hearing about those story, uh, stories. And, and Joel Bouchard was talking about him uh, recently and, and just about how excited he is to see Jake Evans get the success. And for a guy like Bouchard to say those types of things, is, you know it's because he loves Evans because Evans put in the work. Because he, Joel Bouchard is a very straight-to-the-point kind of guy. If you don't put in the work, he's not going to like you. And if he says that, it's because Evans deserves it. And, and we all know he struggled last year. It took him a while to get that first goal. I mean, we, we talked about it when he, he got that first empty net goal and he was getting hugs on the bench. Obviously meant a lot to him. And for that, that to turn around to the way he's been performing so, so far this year, it's just fantastic, really. I mean, yeah. And, you know, he's really the fir- – Jake Evans is really, you know, the first guy that's – that, that's sort of been uh, you know produced by Joel Bouchard, mm-hmm. but but even then I mean we saw the different uh, Victor Mete when he came back from Laval from Laval Kakinemi when he came back from Laval I mean you know it's it's been just a huge difference and yeah you know, I mean he's he's been with the Canadians organization now for two years I believe uh, Bouchard and I mean it's already been a, a world of difference I mean we saw before I mean before that Sylvain Lafayette was a coach for I think mm-hmm. four, maybe even five years. I don't think I can name one prospect that came out that came that really was produced by him. And I mean, you know, uh, when I talked to Anthony Marquette, who's the the voice of the Rocket, you know, he told me that it's just a world of difference. Joel Bouchard compared to Sylvain Lafave, he was a great guy. Sylvain Lafave, he you know had nothing bad to say about him, but the just the way that the organization is run now is just you know night and day basically under Joel Bouchard, and and we're already paying you know seeing the dividends from that. And and this is exactly what you want from your your AHL affiliate, right? Because I mean, sure, I think we've both been a little disappointed with how the Rocket have performed overall. Like we would like them to maybe do a bit better. Maybe they've, they've struggled, struggled to even kind of even qualify for the playoffs at this point. But as much as we do want them to win, that's not what's most important, if we're being honest, as far as the Montreal Canadiens organization. What's most important is that when you send players like a Kudkinyemi or a Mete down to have some clear failings in their game, they come back with those things improved. And and, and, and to have fringe players like Jake Evans absolutely turn their careers around it on that team to now become a player that can be a reliable fourth line guy. That's exactly what you want to see come out of your AHL team. Uh, There's really nothing bad you can say about what he's done so far. I mean, he's always been a great quote and we weren't seeing the results as far as the Rockets winning and all that, but we're seeing the results with the players now. And that's exactly what I want. And and absolutely. And I think, you know, with, uh, I mean, the Canadian, well, the Rocket are a little inexperienced this year, so I don't know how, how great they'll be this year, but I mean, yeah, you know, we've definitely seen it with Jake Evans, seventh round pick. We've seen it with Caden Primo has, has made some pretty good leaps as well. I mean, in his in his short term, well, his short uh, pro career so far, he's also also a seventh rounder. So, I mean, it's it's definitely paying dividends. And I mean, with all the prospects that are going to be coming into the Rocket in the next year or so, I mean, they're they're they should have a pretty good team, and and the Canadians are going to have a steady pipeline of of prospects coming in from Laval over the next couple of years. I think. 
but at the same time, it's like we're talking about it. What are what are the holes on this team? Where, where do we need? I mean, I know you you lose players every year and uh, th- things can happen and all that, but there's su- there's such there's still, still obviously going to be improvements on 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 defense. Uh, I think, especially as the, as the the older guy, like a guy like Weber gets older. But man, the, this team is just, it's just it's built to be good now and for like the next few years. I mean, I I see no reason for this team to have a drop off. The the turnaround done by Bergeron. I mean, we keep saying it. It's it's been absolutely masterful, really. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just like you could just look at the Canadians last year compared to what they are now. I mean, just the the moves that he's made to you know to go out get Josh Anderson, to get Tyler Toffoli, to get I mean, well Romanov. I mean, was you know he was drafted uh, two uh, two years ago, two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, it's yeah, like you said, it's just been masterful. I mean, you know the. the Say what you want about the Josh Anderson contract, I still think it's pretty decent. It was a bit of a, um, you know, a gamble, being as seeing as it was seven years. But I mean, I think the the Brennan Gallagher deal was pretty solid as well. Going out yeah. and getting Josh Allen, Joel Edmondson. I mean, I think he's been, you know, I mean, I think, yeah, some some people might not agree, but I think Joel Joel Edmondson's been pretty solid so far for the Canadians, aside from maybe the first game against Toronto. I mean, and, you know, and and we haven't talked about it yet, but what uh, when he stepped up to fight, I mean. People have differing opinions on whether or not fighting should still be in uh, in the NHL. But after what happened to Armia, I think most Habs fans were very happy to see the new guy step in and drop the gloves and uh, definitely held his own own against uh, against Tyler Myers. Oh yeah, who's definitely you know, he's not a lightweight <laughs> Tyler Myers. No. No, but not not much of a fighter though. Not, I don't think he's much of a fighter. <laughs> it didn't look like it anyway. No. But uh, I mean, Joel Edmondson. Uh, and unless, I'm pretty sure he has the highest plus minus on the team. He has one of the yeah. highest plus minuses in, in the NHL. In the NHL, yeah. You know, it's. I mean, it hasn't necessarily always been pretty, but uh, man, I, th- I think he's. I think he's been pretty solid so far. And, and I just think that uh, what's great about Joel Edmondson is that I, I agree he's been solid. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it, there's nothing flashy there. But the thing is, is the more the season progresses, the more I think sooner rather than later like we've talked about we've already seen it from Romanov he, he he's going to be getting more and more minutes and at the end of the day Edmondson is really just kind of the, the third guy on the left side and he's more than good enough to be the third guy on the on the left side I mean the, I, there, there's there's no doubts there I mean th- it's still where you could still see an improvement potentially uh, but then you're kind of being greedy you know you want you on the left side to be even better maybe you can move Sherratt down a little bit and all that but uh, I've I've been very very happy with uh, Edmondson. One one thing though, Josh Allen actually quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Jake Allen is the backup goaltender for them. Oh, I said Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> Jake Allen, yes, not Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, it's it's been all great additions so far. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he pieces that. Uh, you know what what he ends up doing with Dano and Tatar if if he can re-sign those two guys. Um, not well, sure. Let's talk about Daniel. I mean, we there's there, the rumors came back that what was it, uh, six years, five million that he just said no to. I mean, I'm not willing to give a lot more than that to Daniel. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, I mean, I think he's worth a little bit more than five million now. Uh, so I I believe it was uh, Mathias Brunet that said that. So a guy, who does he work? I think does he work with the Pre La Presse? I think anyway. He's obviously he he's very connected with Canadians. He, yeah, he definitely yeah. knows what he's not, talking. Not not someone who would just throw something no. out there without having any information. Uh, definitely someone I would trust when he speaks. What he did say though is that he thinks it's going to get done. Yeah, I, I I saw that too, which was interesting. Yeah, that's 
because uh, at first the kind of article gave, gave me the vibe that it's not going to happen. But then that he's then said that, so maybe maybe it will get. I think Dano is going to be if he does hit the free agent market is going to be disappointed in what the it's because regardless of what we think he might be worth or what he thinks he might be worth, I mean it, it's a frozen cap and who, who knows when yeah. when it's not going we to. We saw be. that this year with a lot of free agents. Uh, clearly, exactly. they didn't get the contracts they wanted. So exactly. I mean, it, it's ju- it's going to be the exactly the same story, maybe even worse this season. Who knows? It, yeah, it, exactly. And like maybe the thing is, he's going to want to get a, a less years so he, he can earn more money when it's not a frozen cap anymore. I think that would be a huge mistake for Dano. This is the year for him to make his uh, his money. And uh, look, look, the, the the team would definitely be worse uh, if if we lose Dano. But at the same time, the last thing I want to do is with with Kudkiniemi and Suzuki looking more and more like they're going to be legitimate top two centers for this team for years to come, that's already a lot of money we're going to have to to pay for our centermen. I, I don't want to be giving a, a guy like Danu a lot more than than, than $5 million. I, I, We just can't. We just can't afford it. Even if even if you're going to argue that he deserves it, it just doesn't make sense for the team as far as cap management to do it. No, it's it's going to be tough to uh, tough tough to do it, but I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, he'll he'll probably get like a little over five million, um, you know, somewhere between five and five point five. And I mean, I think it's a fair deal. Um, yeah, I, th- I think at the end of the day, it's going to get done. I mean, five point five. Then you're looking at pretty much exactly the same contract as Josh Anderson, uh, and yeah. I mean that that makes sense to me for for Deno. I like I, I get it that he feels like he's been underpaid for years. He wants to get his paycheck now. I I, I completely respect it, and and I, I never fault players to want it. Like some some people like to criticize them for being greedy or whatever and all that. Hey man, like if another company offered me more money to go work for them, I'd leave in a heartbeat. Like yeah, I mean, I don't care if it's millions it, 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 that we're talking about here. I mean, I don't blame someone for going where the there, there's more money and I'll be happy for him if some stupid team gives him 7 million a year but I don't want him to get that on the Montreal Canadiens I mean th- th- that's no. for sure no and I, I mean I think at the end of the day I'm sh- I, I think he likes playing with the Canadians too so I, you know I'm I, I, not that I, I definitely don't think he's going to take a, a hometown discount necessarily mm-hmm. but I think at the end of the day I mean they, they both know the reality of it and uh, you know they'll, they'll get a, a deal done at the end of the day and the, when you do see these kind of team-friendly deals, and, and not necessarily a hometown discount, but just maybe not also trying to get the maximum you can get as a UFA, they happen much more often on teams that win. So if the team, if the Canadians continue to perform the way they're performing right now and end up finishing first or second in the division, going on the run, making it potentially to the conference final, that's when you have guys like Dano be like, I, I don't want to leave. If you're Dano, you don't want to leave to go to another team to get, get a, a little bit more on your paycheck to then see the team that you've, you've struggled with for years go on and, and, and win without you, right? So, I mean, every player is different depending on, on what he prioritizes more, but you'd think that, that that's what the way he's going to think about it. So I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful we'll, the Canadians will, will, will resign him. I just hope it's not an overpayment either, obviously. Yeah, no, it's gonna, it'll be interesting. But anyway, I mean, they got a, they got a lot of time to, uh, to make it, to get it done. And, uh, and you know, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. All right, so that's pretty much it for the games that happened already. And now, finally, after five days off, I mean, we were talking about it before the podcast. Now we know. I mean, we were so excited for the season to start and then already five. And there's another break coming up, too, uh, in uh, in February. I mean, let me let me pull it up here. Like, it's so weird. Like, from the 14th to the 19th 
It's an even longer break, six games, uh, six days between games, because we're playing on Saturday the 13th uh, against Toronto in Toronto, and we're not playing again a, 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 until the following Saturday. So it's basically a whole week off. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really weird. I mean, uh, well, uh, obviously it sucks for us because, I mean, you know, we're five days without Canadians hockey. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, uh, for the Canadians, I mean, maybe it's kind of a good thing because, they, you know, they just played six games on the road out west. Maybe it's a good idea, but at the same point, you know, I mean, they were they were playing so they were you know so hot. Yeah, they were playing true. great. You, you see know? in the playoffs all the time, the team that sweeps yeah. then face goes against the team that won in like six or seven, and they 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 lose the first couple of games because they they don't have kind of like the momentum anymore anymore and all that. But I mean, this break I don't mind so much because, like you said, they started off on on a long road trip on the long road trip to start the season, but then to have another one in February, it it just means the rest of the calendar is going to be that much more condensed. That's what's more most annoying to me. Well, exactly. I mean, it's already condensed enough as it is, right? Exactly. I mean, they, before this break, they played three games in four nights, so. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird to see it like that. Um, I mean, I don't know if the other te- well, I, I would imagine that the other teams are probably dealing with the same sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I'm looking definitely looking forward to Thursday. Well, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. So so tomorrow against Calgary, first time we're seeing Cal- Calgary, who I think and a lot of people seem to think are kind of in the top three for for the division. But it hasn't looked that way so far, looking at how they've done uh, so far this year. So right now, the Canadians are, are the, the Leafs are first and Canadians are second. But, of course, Canadians have two games in hand on, on, on the Leafs. Calgary, only two wins, two losses, and one overtime loss. And also only five games so far uh, for them. And the only team they've beat is the Vancouver Canucks, who we just saw and we saw weren't very, very competitive and just lost twice against Toronto. So, I mean, is Calgary not as good as we thought they were? Is I mean, it's still very early in the season. I, 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 th- I still think they're definitely going to be better than both Edmonton and, and Vancouver, which the Canadians just faced. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll be a better test uh, definitely than Edmonton and, uh, and Vancouver, though I thought Vancouver will put up a better fight. It's their defense, man. They're, they're, they already had average defense, and then they so many injuries. You can't win with that type of defense. It's the same as the Canadians the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean, they had some good forwards, but uh, yeah, obviously they're the, the forward that they're counting on to be the best. Uh, obviously, uh, Elias Peterson uh, hasn't been very good so far. But uh, yeah, I mean, Calgary, you know, they, they obviously got some pretty good goaltending now with, uh, with Markstrom. Yeah. They got some pretty decent forwards, you know. They can uh, they can score. Their defense is in, is certainly isn't as bad as Edmonton and Vancouver. So yeah, there's no one like Giordano on on Edmonton yeah. and Vancouver. I mean, no. Giordano's going to be older, but still a very very solid defenseman. They have Noah Hannafin, still solid. Uh, Tanev is, is is not a bad defenseman. Is but outside of that, I mean, not a lot of players I'm too familiar with. If I'm being uh, personally uh, perfectly honest, but still a team I think the Canadians should be able to beat with the way they've been playing. Oh yeah, no, I definitely think so. I mean, uh, the way the forwards have been playing again, hopefully they're not going to be, um, you know, not rusty there, obviously, but uh, you know, hopefully they'll they'll be at a hundred percent and then come out as hot as they were out west. Hopefully it wasn't too long of a break for them, but yeah, I mean, on on paper you definitely think Calgary is a team that they can beat tomorrow. But at the same time, eventually the Canadians are going to win, uh, are going to lose a game in. Uh in regulation it's not going to go go on like this uh yeah, for, forever but i look forward to see it because because if you're because because of the reality of, of what this season is i mean edmonton and vancouver i'm not worried about at all ottawa i'm not worried about at all i mean it's it, it's weird to say so early in the season 
I'm so confident about this team making the playoffs and making a run in the play. It really seems to be a two division, two team division with uh, Toronto, Toronto and Montreal. Really, and Winnipeg surprising me with five wins and two losses so far this year. Um, I, I I feel like they're going to fall back down to earth eventually, but at the same time, I'm sure plenty of fans of other teams are saying the same thing about the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, probably. I mean, Winnipeg's not that bad of a team. I mean, they have a very good goaltender, obviously, in Hellebuck. Yeah, true. They got, you know, they got some pretty decent forwards now. I mean, well, they, I mean, they obviously have Dubois coming in now. They have uh, Shifley, Blake Wheeler. So, I mean, they they definitely have some guys that can score. They um, have three wins against Ottawa, though. I'm I'm looking at now, so that that might explain it. <laughs> that probably explains it. <laughs> but uh, well, I, I definitely think Winnipeg. I mean, in my opinion, is is better than Edmonton and and. Well, Vancouver, I think, is better than they played. Yeah, but I mean, I think Vancouver, Vancouver, if they don't get their any defenseman back, yeah. it's not going to get better. It's the, the Tyler Myers. I did not realize was that bad. He is not a good hockey player. <laughs> he was like a couple of years ago, like especially when he when he started with Buffalo, like yeah. he was going to be the best player. Like he was going to be maybe the best defenseman in the NHL one day. Yeah, he definitely like, slowed he down. He first started. Yeah, and then then when he went to Winnipeg, he wasn't that great. And then, like, yeah, he he really started to go downhill when he when he went to Winnipeg, and then, uh, yeah, no, I I agree. I didn't realize he was that bad. <laughs> he's pretty, I mean, he's, you just go on good. Twitter for the Vancouver Twitter on on their like message boards and all that. The they they weren't talking about Tyler Myers having a bad couple of games. They were talking about Tyler Myers being a terrible hockey player and how they hated being stuck with him. So. Uh, it, it's it's not a team. Vancouver, I don't think, is that much better than than. I think there's three bad teams in this division. Vancouver, Edmonton, and Ottawa are are uh, are just not good. And I I don't think there's any. There's I'm almost I'm almost willing to guarantee the four other teams are gonna are gonna be the ones making the playoffs this year. I, I would be shocked if the other ones turn it around. And with what we've seen from Vancouver and Edmonton so far, I I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think the Canadians should. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any trouble making the playoffs this year for sure. No, definitely not. It would be unacceptable to not make the playoffs at this point, uh, honestly. And I'm I'm curious to see also how whether or not home and away splits really play play a part this year, right? Because obviously the Canadians with an amazing uh, road trip to start the season, going four zero and two, and you can't ask for better than that if you're starting on the road for six games. But I mean, usually the Canadians are a team that are very good at home, and we've we've seen a lot of quotes uh, coming in uh, today uh, uh, about uh, guys like Josh Anderson and Tyler Toffoli coming in excited to play at the Bell Center for the first time. And Anderson was even saying, even as a visitor, he was always excited to play in Montreal because it's it's different, right? It's 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 not the same. There's the history. I mean, we all know how Montreal, uh, uh, the Canadians as an organization, uh, if there's one thing to do very well, it's Kind of honoring their 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 history, and you, you you walk through the Bell Center, and you can see it everywhere, and you can feel it when when you're walking through. And the players feel that too, but then the big part of it is the fans, and those aren't there anymore, right? I mean, that's what Toffoli said that the only thing they can make this beginning of this season better is the fans being there for the home opener. And oh man, how loud would the Bell Center be after this road trip? Oh my, oh, I, we would hear it all the way in Verdun. I mean, I'm telling you. <laughs> The ground would be vibrant. I, it's, it's so disappointing that we're not going to have fans. I mean, obviously, I agree with that. I understand it. But, oh, man, it's just I, – I, I just wonder if, if the home and away is going to be the same this year without the fans there. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's still – you know, they, they still obviously have to be on the road and, uh, you know, they're not playing – 
you know, but, uh, well, actually somebody posted, obviously it's still early, but, uh, somebody posted that right now the home teams are, I think it was 59%. So there is still, you know, an, an advantage there. Yeah. So and how many of the away wins percentage wise are the Montreal Canadians? <laughs> exactly. So a lot of those, uh, away teams winning have been the Canadians. So, you know, I mean, it, I mean, four zero and two so far. I mean, that's and, and honestly, I mean, the two games that they lost in um, in overtime in the shootout. I mean, they they could have easily won those two games. Oh, definitely. The game they, they, against Vancouver and Toronto. I mean, they played better five on five in both those both those games. I mean, the, the, what's been disappointing so far because it started out well, and there's been some flashes, and I mean, so many shorthanded goals too. But the PK could improve. I mean, it was very frustrating seeing Bo Horvat score the exact same goal like four times. I think. Adapt. Come on. (laughs) They they did better in the third game, of course, uh, adapting to that. But like when it happened again in the second game, I I wanted to throw something at the TV. I was like, (laughs) guys, he did it twice yesterday. Just adapt. I I don't get it. So Uh, mainly stop me taking penalties, I think is the key. Yeah, that's definitely going to be the definitely going to be the key. Because, I mean, that's really been the only because, I mean, there's been games where the PK looked amazing, I mean, especially against yeah. Edmonton. The PK was 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 amazing. I mean, they kept taking penalties, but uh, like the PK was just ridiculously good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they've had some they've had some issues. But, I mean, that's really been the one trouble for the Canadians so far is just staying out of the box. Because, yeah. I mean, five on five, they've been great. The PK has had some ups and downs, obviously. I mean, they've had a couple of bad games, obviously, against, well, the two games, basically, they lost. They, they've had issues, but the power play has been uh, been pretty good as well. So, But even uh, then, yeah. for the PK, like, how many shorthanded goals do they have so far? So it's like, even if they've allowed goals, they, they're scoring just as much, so who cares? Uh, I mean, so it's, it's not that big of a deal. But, I mean, you'd think that the penalty taking is going to slow down a bit. I mean, it, it kind of almost reminds me uh, Thomas Tatar last year. At the beginning of the year, I don't know if you remember, wouldn't stop taking penalties, except now it's the whole team. And uh, <laughs> he, Tatar turned it around eventually uh, a little bit, so hopefully the the Canadians will too. Um, yeah, I think they'll I think they'll get that straight. And I mean, they can't really be taking too many more no. like delay of no. game penalties, you would think. No, no, definitely not. And the the, the refs are going to start calling less of those weak like soft penalties i think too it happens every year and it'll happen eventually again this year and uh what's interesting to see but before we, we record another podcast there's gonna be two more vancouver canucks games i mean it's such a weird schedule this year so uh, hopefully they can take out two wins uh, against them again there but uh, i mean which i it's just and then it's ottawa again and it's just there's so I, I feel like the canadians can beat every team i and i'm looking forward to the toronto games to really see how the t- this team does uh, against who I think is the second best team in this. Well, I mean, the two best teams in this division, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I, I really think Toronto is probably the only team that are, that are going to give the Canadians trouble. Um, and I mean, the Canadians were right with them the whole game when they played, uh, the other teams, I mean, yeah, the, the Canadians, at least on paper and, and definitely from what we've seen so far, definitely the, uh, the top two definitely in the division with Toronto. Yeah, yeah, and I mean we're looking ahead here, obviously talking about it like this. But if it's if that's the way it plays out, and we end up having, uh, I guess a division final between Toronto and Montreal in the playoffs, man, and that's gonna that's gonna be crazy. Because. That's 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 something that rivalries needed for a while because they haven't faced each other in the playoffs in a long time, and I will be incredibly stressed for the entire two week period 
probably getting nothing done at work also. But, you know, probably it not, is what it but, is. You know? But, I mean, when you think about it, that would mean Toronto would have to get out of the first round. So, clearly <laughs> that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, that, that's true. But, uh, I, I don't know. It's not like they're not going to have to face a Boston in the first round. So, that, that'll probably help them. So. Uh, and then, so m- moving on, we, we haven't talked about it yet too much, but the Dubois trade finally happened. I mean, oh, yeah, obviously. That's he, good. We don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> exactly. We can talk about it one last time. Uh, and, and it's been so dirty post-trade, too, with, like, both sides kind of, like, leaking things about the other player not being – I mean, we don't know who's leaking the information. But it seems pretty obvious. And, like – Liney's like claiming that like he or like someone in Finland is like claiming Liney was like almost bullied by some of the players on the Winnipeg Jets and and even but Wheeler said that he regrets how he treated Liney in his time there but it, it happened finally Liney for Dubois I mean the Canadians were never going to match something they, the Canadians just don't have a Patrick Liney right so no. if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets who have such a hard time holding on or signing elite star players you can't not make this trade if it's on the table for you. For, no, for, exactly. I mean, the, yeah. this trade just, I mean, it, you know, as soon as Dubois was on the block, like this trade just made so much sense. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, I did, I, I said it last week that, you know, it, it made sense for, for Winnipeg, uh, you know, to trade line a to get Dubois. I mean, both teams, I mean, line a, like, I feel it's been years that, you yeah. know, that, that line a has been on, been rumored to want out of Winnipeg. And, you know, I mean, finally here it is. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how line a does under Tortorella. I mean, there is Tortorella, but let's not forget also there's the the GM in in Columbus is um, I forget his name right now, but he he's exactly he's Finnish, right? And and the rumors are that he's always he always he desperately wanted lining the year lining was drafted, and and now he finally has him, and he he's the one negotiating the contract. Or there might be a certain connection there. I mean, that doesn't always mean something, but it it could mean something because lining in Finland is is huge right like understandably so i mean the same as as how french canadian stars are are huge here it's the same thing in finland so there's there's a connection there if if columbus can finally i i hope they can i feel for columbus honestly they just can't hold on to their stars if they manage to sign him to a huge contract uh, that that'll be a win for uh you got to be happy about how it turned out if you're columbus i think if you're columbus fan plus they get roslovich out out of the trade too he's not a bad player either who is a local Columbus guy. I mean, he was already in Columbus when the trade happened. So uh, that's, yeah. that, that, that turned out as good as it was going to turn out, I think, in, considering the situation. I think it's a win for everybody. You know, I, th- I mean, I think Dubois, you know, he, he, he's getting his wish. He wanted to be in a bit of a bigger market, which, you know, I mean, Winnipeg's in Canada. So, I mean, it's a bigger market. Um, you know, I mean, uh, obviously Winnipeg, I think is going to be happy to get him as well. And, and, you know, get, anytime you can get rid of a player that doesn't want to be there. Yeah. You know, and and both teams got a really good player back. So for sure, and it was in, in Columbus, it was getting toxic, right? There was the last game with the, the the big story was that Dubois got like three minutes played and all that. I mean, you can't play a season like that. It's just it's just a recipe for uh, for, for for disaster. So even though there's two weeks with without uh, anyone for either team because of the quarantining and all that, it, it it's a positive just to get rid of the distractions. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's a weird situation there too. I mean, like even Domi, he's, he's been, only, he's been there, uh, you know, only a couple of games and it seems like he's already sort of in the doghouse with Tortorella. I mean, so. if he wants to be a center though, Domi, this is his opportunity. Cause right now it's him. That's true. And, uh, what's the, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Texier, I think are, are yeah, basically he's, the he's one... a good young player too, though. Yeah. Yeah. F- fair enough. But that's all they have pretty much at center. That, that That's the one thing for Liney though. 
uh, because what, what I've heard from Line, it's not it's not just that part of the reason he didn't like it is that he wasn't getting playing time with like Shifley and, and and the top centers on the team. There's just no top centers on that team. I mean, I'm sorry, Max Domi. I mean, you, you had a good season here. I don't think you're a number one center in uh in, in the NHL. But now on on the flip side, Winnipeg has a great center great center depth with Shifley and uh, and Dubois, and we're gonna get to see it in action this year, obviously with uh, with the Canadian division. So, I mean. I'm I'm looking forward to I kind of like it for both teams because it's two teams that probably have the hardest time holding on to stars right like Winnipeg in the same way it sounds like players never want to sign there everyone makes jokes about Winnipeg being the worst city to live in in the in the NHL I mean I'm pretty sure in those like surveys they do every year Winnipeg's always at the bottom of all the lists that players vote on as and the ones that are most often on the no trade lists and all that so the superstar for superstar you don't see it often but it made too much sense not to happen here oh yeah it was a perfect trade like it anyway i think you know everybody is going to be happy about this trade the players are going to be happy you know the the, obviously the teams are going to be happy the coaches are probably going to be happy everybody's going to be happy now, do you think the rumors coming out that 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 Bergman actually offered Kotkaniemi uh, along with Caulfield or or True? Because I I don't know if I believe that. Nothing ever comes out of uh, of Montreal. Yeah, and, I don't think so. I mean, I could have seen like maybe one for one Kotkaniemi and Dubois. Like uh, I maybe that that could have happened. I don't think I don't think so. I don't think they were going to give up Kotkaniemi and Caulfield. And I think they even a first round pick um, was was mentioned. So no, I I don't think that was going to happen. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that was a trade that was discussed a few months ago. But there's no way that with the way the Canadians have come out of the gate, how they're obviously gelling together. It's it's really a a, a team. And Kotkaniemi's been playing great. I mean, do you really want to make this kind of move? No, at the exactly. beginning of the seed that that might mess everything up, and Kutkinemi is honestly looking like he might turn into a Dubois, a, 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 a right? So, I mean, there's really no point in, in in making this move. And as far as the the cap situation goes, one could argue that Kutkinemi has more value this year just because mm-hmm. of how cheap he is. If he keeps playing the way he's been playing, versus the five million for Dubois for a team like Montreal, who's so up against the cap as 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 they are right now. No, exactly. So it it really, no, it didn't make any sense. You know, like you said, they're gelling so much right now. And I mean, they're so close to the cap right now. And and obviously, I mean, uh, you know, they have some important contracts with Deno and Tatar coming up at the end of the season. Yeah. It without, I mean, having Dubois on the team as opposed to Kakiniemi's contract would have made things a lot more complicated. So, no, I, I, you know, I'm obviously there's going to be rumors anytime there's a a French Canadian player that did. that was is on the trading block, but no, I don't think it ever made any sense for the Canadians. I mean, it seems like there's a rumor anytime there's anyone on the trade block, and we all know what what it is because us Habs fans are rabid. And if there's a trade rumor that says Montreal Canadiens, we go nuts, and then it, it's it's good for clicks for those websites and all that. That's just a fact. I'm not saying it's always what's going on, but it definitely happens a lot. That there's a reason why Montreal's always in the rumors, whether it's the, whether it's the free agents, whether it's the the big trades. Canadians are always, always, always there, and part of it is just because it's it's good for business for for that rumor to be there, you know. Yeah, and then any time that Canadians do make a trade, it was a complete surprise. Yeah. So, you know, no, I, uh, I no, I don't think it ever made any sense, and uh, I'm definitely not too surprised that the that the Canadians did not get Dubois. And and the fan response too. I mean, it just shows how good the, how good because people talk about how like 
fans of Montreal want French Canadian players. Some people say that and, and blah, blah, blah. But you, you just see that that all falls out the window when the team's winning. Because I, I didn't see too many complaints about a trade not, not happening and Dubois going somewhere else. Because the team's doing so good. I mean, there's no need for a move. The fans here, they just want to win. It doesn't matter the, 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 the name on the back of the jersey. It doesn't matter what it is. If he, if he performs for the team, we're happy. So, oh, exactly. Exactly. If the Canadians keep on keep on winning their way they're doing now, I mean, no, I don't think anyone is going to going to be complaining for sure. We just want to see uh, you know, see that 25th cup. Oh fuck. Don't even tease me with that. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, finally we finish it off uh, here Rocket Camp opening up. I mean, there's not much news to to ca- talk about, but just good to know that they're they're starting up some some uh, some younger players who usually wouldn't be there are there because their respective leagues aren't playing. So that's exciting. Yeah, it's interesting to see for sure. I mean, well, uh, you know, we have uh, Caden Gooley, obviously our first round pick this year, and Yan Mysak, the uh, second round pick from this year. They're uh, with the OHL and WHL not playing right now. They're going to get their chance, uh, you know, until I mean, I don't think there's any plans right now, really, for the OHL and WHL to start back up at this point. So they're going to get their opportunities to see, uh, you know, what they can do. I mean, you know, have them. Playing under Joel Bouchard is going to be great news as well. Yeah. And uh, two other guys, too. We got the 2019 third-rounder Gianni Fairbrother and fifth-rounder from 2019 Jacob Laguerrier. Uh, both of them, I mean, they're, you know, they're going to – the Canadians are going to lose their rights at the end of this season. So, I mean, sort of one of their last chances to prove to the Canadians that they d- deserve a contract. Fairbrother should be a shoe-in, I would think, to get a, uh, to get a contract. But Laguerrier is definitely uh, uh, fighting an uphill battle at this point. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see them too. And and when is uh when is this? I'm assuming there's no preseason either for the for the Rocket, right? Same as in the I NHL. I don't think so. It's uh I I think they're starting, if I'm not mistaken, February February 25th. Though uh, the schedule is still isn't official yet. It, well, especially with the North Division, because it's going to be sort of the same thing there with the uh just isn't the it just Canadian four teams or something? Well, Calgary just said that they're moving their uh, their WHL team or not WHL AHL team from Stockton, California, all the way to Calgary, uh, just f- apparently just for this season. Oh, I see. That makes sense. Yeah, because so, of, or else you have to wait two weeks before your, your call-up can play. No, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to see uh, to see how it happens. I don't – anyway, there's five teams at this point. But, uh, but again, nothing's super official. We know the Laval Rocket are going to be playing. That's that's what we know. That, that's for sure. And w- when we have games to talk about, we, uh, we look forward to talking uh, – uh, talking about them there, I, I, it's just kind of a bummer. To, obviously, we won't be able to go go to any of these games. We love going to the Rocket games, but I mean, we'll we'll be able eventually again uh, to go yeah, watch. Hopefully, hopefully next year we'll be able to go see the Canadians, Rocket, and the new Trois Rivières teams. Yep, yeah. That, that, would that be that quick that the team would be playing? Yeah, they're they're starting next season in twenty. Well, there you go. I can already uh, I can already start planning the road trip. All right, so. <laughs> So that does it for uh, for for today. I think there's nothing much, much, not much else to talk about. I mean, it, this feels like it was nothing but positivity in this podcast, but it, there's nothing to be negative about for this team so far. I mean, I'm sure as, as the season progresses, we'll, we'll have uh, plenty to, to complain about uh, uh, eventually. I mean, uh, I mean, is there's no negatives? There just isn't. It is what it is. No, exactly. I mean, uh, if you, you know, who knows? I mean, obviously there's going to be downs at some point. 
hopefully uh, we're still this positive next week on the podcast. Yeah, but uh, so far, so good. All right. So as always, follow us uh, at the Habs Forum on Twitter. Uh, go, Dustin's always uh, asking for your uh, your feedback on 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 the podcast uh, over there, and it's the best place to see when the next episode is gonna drop. Next episode probably gonna be uh, on Wednesday since it's the the, the one day off uh, next week. So that does it today. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.